This is an ABC podcast. Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. Are you ready for another election? <laughs> because there's a big vote coming up this weekend. Victorians are heading to the polls to decide whether they're going to keep Dan Andrews as Premier or throw him out for the Liberals' Matt Guy. Whatever happens, I reckon a few people are keen to get on the beers come Sunday. But this election is really interesting, even if you're not in Victoria, because Dan Andrews is currently Australia's longest-serving leader. So he's the political leader that's been in power the longest at the moment, and he's been described as Australia's most powerful premier. But during the COVID lockdowns, he also became one of the most polarising politicians in the country. How much is all that going to matter? Like, what's actually important to people in Victoria? Are they still thinking about the COVID stuff? In a minute, we're going to speak with someone who's written a book about Dandrews. But first, Kimberly Price looks at what kind of impact young people will have on this state election with a huge cohort of youth voters ready to cast their ballots. The investment and initiatives to tackle racism in our local communities. I think improving the mental health services. To making healthcare more accessible. Continue or improve um, to support local businesses. Climate, like obviously. The Victorian election is just around the corner, with current Labor Premier Daniel Andrews coming up against the Liberals' Matthew Guy. But are they in touch with youth? More than 4 million people have registered to vote across the state, with 18 to 24-year-olds dominating the population with nearly 10% of registrations. Actually, one quarter of all enrolled voters in Victoria are under 35, and in almost all corners of the state, 18 to 24-year-olds make up the majority. A major point of contention throughout the campaign trail has been health. Daniel, your government has broken the health system. You've had eight years. Now I intend to fix the damage you've done to it. Surely we could agree and value our nurses and our ambos and just congratulate them for the amazing work they've done and then work hard, work hard to give them more support. While the major parties fight it out, what about the underdogs? An independent is bound and supported to stand by a community around them. That's Dennis Ginnivan. He's the director of the Voices for AU project, which supports independent candidates throughout elections. Well, there's more members of the Richmond Football Club than there are of all the political parties combined. There is a rising and a sense of uh, focus within the community to do something about their own politics at a particular electorate level. We saw a tidal wave of support for independent candidates at a federal level in May, with Zoe Daniels and Dr Monique Ryan both picking up seats in Melbourne. So, does Dennis believe the same could happen on a state level this weekend? There's possibilities of that, yeah. I mean, I'd say real possibilities. The thing is, neither of the major parties have overwhelming support in Victoria. Some recent polling shows both Labor and the Coalition have primary votes under 40%. So, what do young Victorians want? My name is Doris. I'm 23 years old and I'm from the western suburbs. 93% of multicultural people aged between 16 and 25 in Victoria had experienced racism when the pandemic had hit back in 2020. I'm Albert Momba and I'm 21 years old and I'm calling from Palawan and making sure mental health services are inclusive and accessible to everyone. Asher is 19 and lives in Echuca, which has recently been devastated by floods. 
funding for like infrastructure to prevent more flood disasters in the future. Also education, I think for kids who have to travel to Melbourne, like for uni, lowering the prices or like a way to support them more. My name is Hash, I'm 25 and I'm Melbourne. We saw how our healthcare system struggled to survive during the pandemic. So my name is Fantasa Bella Rahama. I reside in Trafalgar and I'm 21 years old. Continue or improve um, to support local businesses. Because I have seen around that um, couple of businesses have opened in like certain places and then within a month or so they close down. With election promises coming through thick and fast, mental health and post-pandemic support are high on both parties' agendas. But there are still gaps in what young people want and what they're hearing from their political leaders. Do young people think politicians are listening to them? Not entirely. I would have to say no, not really. It would be nice to like see like a young person in like parliament or just like even more just actually like seeking out young people's opinions more often. But young people are getting more involved with politics. And one way they're doing so is through social media. So, how much of an impact has social media had on the Victorian election campaign so far? Beers, 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 get on the beers. With Daniel Andrews' social media followers far exceeding that of his counterparts, Swinburne University Associate Professor Diana Bossio says a strong social media presence will help campaigns. What? tends to happen around election time is that we see a very kind of almost desperate attempt for politicians to appear human. Suddenly Matthew Guy will become that guy and we'll see images of them at home pretending that they're constantly cooking dinner for their families. And all of that is a way to campaign directly to certain voter demographics. So, how confident are young voters ahead of Saturday's polling day? It's always like a bit daunting, honestly, voting for the first time, like knowing like what paper to fill out and what you have to fill in and, you know, you leave blank and all that. I'm definitely positive and, and I say that because the trend of young people becoming more involved and actually being interested in politics is growing. We're getting to see a future where our very own young people are going to be able to have a seat at the table. Hack on Triple J. Kimberly Price there. Hey, we've got a really mixed text line. Right now, Sean from Bendigo says the Vic Liberals have completely and utterly failed to execute a vision for this state. All they've got to throw out, all they've got is throw out Dan Andrews. They've got no policies worth electing them for. Another person says F Dan and his debt and love of everything construction union. Someone else, the electorate of Nepean, had been stuck in a Liberal backwater for decades. It was overthrown by Labor last election and finally things are being done. I just hope the hangover from Dan Andrews' haters does not impact our electorate. And someone else says, get him out and get on the beers. So, yeah, got a lot of mixed reactions there about the Victorian state election. Hack did invite both Daniel Andrews and Matthew Guy to come on, but neither of them were available. That's okay, though, because with me is someone who knows a lot about Victorian politics and a lot about Dan Andrews in particular. Samaya Ilanvi is a state political reporter with The Age, and she's written a book about Daniel Andrews. Hey, Samaya, thanks for joining us on Hack. Thank you for having me. The front cover of your book describes Daniel Andrews as the most powerful Premier in Australia. What's made him so powerful? Daniel Andrews has been leader of the Labor Party since 2010 and Premier since 2014. I think there's uh, quite a number of factors as to why he has been powerful. Um, 
I guess firstly, if we're to go all the way back to history, he managed to topple a first-term Liberal government who obviously had their own issues, but it hadn't been done for for five decades. Um, so he toppled a one-term Liberal government, managed to, you know, govern the state quite strongly over four years, and then won the 2018 lands uh, won the 2018 election in a landslide, 55 out of 88 seats. And I think that really solidified and centralised his grip on power. And we've seen sort of particularly during COVID that really, whether you've appreciated or not, that really strong, firm leadership. Yeah, it's really weird, right? Because before COVID, it would have been pretty hard for anyone outside of politics or the media to name a premier or chief minister outside of their own state or territory. But as you say, COVID kind of changed all that. Now, everyone knows who Dan Andrews is. Probably not always a good thing. How do you think that's going to work for the opposition leader, Matthew Guy? Do you think that's going to work in his favour or it's going to work against him? Well, both sides, so both Labor and the Liberals think that um, the election, you know, having Dan Andrews front and centre of the election will be good for both sides. Only one of them, obviously, will be correct. Um, The opposition thinks that there is a huge anti-Dan sentiment out in the community and so huge that it could potentially deliver Labor, either a minority government. I don't know if the coalition thinks they'll be able to win the 18 seats in there. So they need to hold on to their 27 seats and then win a further 18 to even be able to form a majority government. Um, Clearly, they think that having Dan Daniel Andrews front and front and centre of their campaign will be positive for them. Labor also, and I think they're sort of taking a bit of a lesson out of the federal Liberal Party playbook, particularly in the lead up to the 20, to this year's election. You can't hide your leader. So you either have to stick with your leader, put them front and centre and make sure that he's able to articulate as Daniel Andrews often says, a positive and optimistic plan for the future um, because hiding them just draws more attention to it, draws more unwanted and negative attention to it. And, yeah, and look, I I guess we'll find out in two days' time, you know, um, who had a better assessment of the Dan Andrews factor. Yeah, we don't have long to wait. Um, Samaya, how would you describe this election? Like, do you think it's going to be a vote on the pandemic response, the lockdowns in Victoria? Is it a referendum on Dan Andrews, as a lot of people are saying, or is it neither of those? No, it's cost of living. And... Unless you've been in Victoria, I don't think you'll be able to understand why, but people just want to move on from the pandemic. Um, We polled people, you know, very recently and then again, um, you know, a month or two ago, a month or two ago, and only 2% of people said that they were voting based on COVID, management of COVID, um, and also the long-term management of COVID as well. And I think particularly after two years of COVID lockdowns, those really harsh restrictions, Melbourne becoming the world, you know, one of the world's longest lockdown cities, might be hard for people across the country um, to, you know, to fathom how Victorians don't want to be thinking about COVID or want to be voting on COVID and pandemic management. But it just seems to be this thing of wanting to move on. 
cost of living is by far the biggest issue in people's minds when they, you know, well, they've already been voting for the last two weeks, but um, yeah, cost of living is by far the biggest issue. Not even closely followed by health, but, you know, followed by health. Um, and I would say that that's what the two main issues are. You know, with Dan Andrews, like Gladys Berejiklian in New South Wales, they were big characters, you know, in memes, lighter stuff on social media. Do you think that's played a lot into popularity with young people in particular in Victoria? Yeah, I think so. And I think one of the other things to also say about the Labor leader um, is that he has led a very socially progressive state and government Um, who was the first Premier in Victoria to lead the Gay Pride March um, back all the way back in 2015. He banned gay conversion therapy um, early last year. He has, um, he's done a lot around LGBTQI rights. He's done a lot around climate change, um, you know, the government banned years ago now uh, protests near abortion clinics. So he's done a lot of really socially progressive things that obviously young people care about. Um, and I think that's far more important than just, you know, memes on social media. I think young people are a bit more, um, you know, they're not, they're not just voting, I think, based on memes. Hey, I, I think a lot of listeners and voters in Victoria will be agreeing with you there. And we've heard that there's a big cohort of young voters in Victoria in this state election. Um, so it's possible that they could have a, a big influence on the result. Do you think the results of this election are going to say much about the federal Labor Party? You know, like sometimes we look at state elections as a bit of a report card on the federal government. Is that how people are viewing this one? No, and there's been this really, really clear delineation between the state and the federal um, governments and opposition. We haven't seen Anthony Albanese campaign down here. Well, he, he came down to Melbourne a couple of times and he was in Melbourne a few days ago, but there were no media or journalists invited to that Labor volunteer rev up. So we haven't seen Andrew's campaign with um, Anthony Albanese, nor have we seen opposition leader Matthew Guy campaign with Peter Dutton. Um, We already knew that Peter Dutton, you know, well, according to internal research and um, polling and focus groups, et cetera, isn't very popular here in Victoria. Interesting stuff. Well, look, we're not going to have to wait too much longer to know what's happened in this state election. You're going to be very busy, no doubt, over the weekend. Victorian political reporter Samaya Lanvi, thanks so much for joining us on Hack. Thanks for having me. Hack on Triple J.